Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 195 with Rob Deerdeck of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's up, my fellow founders, founder nation? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to stick with that. But anyways, what's going on, guys? Nathan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine and also the host of the Founder Podcast. I'm coming to you live from hometown, Melbourne, Australia, uh, back in town now, uh, been overseas in the States for a while. It's been great. It's been awesome. Always great to uh, spend time over there and just really learn from really smart people and took a ton away from this trip that I just come back from. And uh, we're into Q2 now, and uh, we had our strategy day. I'm looking forward to sharing more with you guys around, um, I know you guys find this interesting, or some of you do, around how we're trying to scale Founder and um, doing some next level stuff, launching so much cool stuff. Uh, Can't wait to share it all with you guys. What we are doing at Founder is is seriously next level. Nobody's doing this kind of stuff. I can't wait to share more with you guys. But anyways, enough about me. Let's talk about today's guest, Rob Deerdeck. Now, I first heard of Rob when I went to the States actually three years ago for my first time, first trip there. And uh, me and my partner, Emily, she uh, we were watching like MTV and um, yeah, this show kept coming on called Ridiculousness, and there was this guy there called Rob Deerdeck, and uh, he was the host of the show. And uh, it turns out, you know, after quite a ton of research a few years later, 
This guy's an incredible entrepreneur and founder, and the reason that uh, you know I was watching that MTV show was because he actually produces that show for MTV, and this guy is a brand-building machine, entrepreneurial machine. He's launched and grown so many companies, I've lost count. Uh, he was a professional famous skateboarder before uh, all of this as well. He has tons of different Guinness Book records. Uh, this guy is someone that is truly fearless when it comes to, I guess, taking risks and, and just really pushing your comfort zone and living, living an amazing life. And uh, Rob and I talk about this and so much more around brand building, what it takes to build a successful business, his incubators, everything he's got going on. So guys, you're in for an absolute treat. Rob is a very, very unique, rare founder, someone I can confidently say I've never really spoken to that has this kind of breadth of caliber of experience in so many wide ranges. So guys, you're in for a treat. That's it from me. I hope you are enjoying these episodes. If you are, please do leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. It helps us so much. And also, if you haven't yet, make sure you go to founder.com, F-O-U-N-D-R.com. Tons of things happening there. So much more content. We're here to help you build and grow a successful business however we can. Make sure you tell your friends. All right, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? How did I get my job? Look, I, I'm even uh, calling, even the business side of what I execute a job is incredibly difficult because I really look at what I do as a, a, more as an artist, you know, and, and someone that's passionate about creating and whether that was uh, at an early age uh, treating myself as a brand and building this sort of brand that led to being a professional skateboarder and then creating my first business, Orion Trucks, uh, when I was 18 years old or going on to uh, creating television shows and then eventually um, many and multiple businesses throughout my life. So uh, I like to say I was raised by entrepreneur wolves, you know, and <laughs> I was 14. Everyone around me, I hung out with older kids and it's a 19 year old that owned a skate shop. And then my two other closest friends each started one, a clothing company, the other a skateboard company. Uh, so it was just sort of this environment where I just assumed uh, that's just what I was supposed to do. So the first moment I had a chance, I started my first company at 18. So it was just some sort of something that I was raised in at a very young age. Mm. And uh, what, so you said your first company was Orion Trucks. Uh, and, and how did... That's right. Just, so, yeah. so Orion Trucks are the metal part of the bottom of a skateboard, right? And uh, I had uh, put together a group of the best skateboarders on the planet earth. I'm talking the dream team, the probably the most talented group of professional skateboarders to ever come together to create anything uh, in the history of the sport until I eventually created the professional skateboarding league that I launched in 2010. But I uh, put the whole deal together, found the manufacturer, 
I was reading this book, The Orion Prophecy at the time, and I hand sketched out the logo and wanted to make it unique and different and called it Orion Aluminum. Did a full partnership to launch that business with a manufacturer of tracker trucks in San Diego, uh, California. And at 18 years old, put everyone together, did the whole thing. And I did all of that for 0.5% of sales of the business. And I was like, I did it. I'm a company owner, you know? So it was sort of my first step in soup to nuts brand building. Uh, but it was the clear lack of the more financial uh, understanding of business that led to me to just do a percentage of sales deal, which didn't really give me uh, much more than a, uh, royalty, if you would, for all that hard work. Mm, so, so how, how did you like, how did you do like that deal, but to get, like you said, like the ultimate dream team of professional skateboarders when you're 18, man, like how did, how did you do that? Like, did you have a network? Did you know these guys? Or did you cold outreach? Like, how did you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, at the, you know, I would, I would have classified myself as part of that elite group. You know, I think it was a matter of, uh, me organizing all them together and calling them individually and and then uh, basically pitching them on the idea of like let's do this all together and uh, the the sort of core group of us all had equity and percentage of sales if you will and, and uh, that's what kind of once we got sort of that top tier group together then it was easy just to sign all the additional pros but you know, that's, that's the relationships I had and, and ultimately, you know, the sale idea. Cause the problem was, is I had to convince them tracker trucks at the time sort of had a bad reputation in the industry, despite being a really high quality manufacturer and distributor had sort of a bad uh, reputation. So I had to convince them, like, let's not worry about their reputation. Let's build our own by doing this new brand together. Hmm. I see. And so what happened next? Well, I mean, I, it sort of ran its course, you know, I think, uh, over time it just became a business that as the, the skateboarding itself and the hard goods market kind of went through a dive and, uh, just as a whole, the money itself and the size of the market was so incredibly small that it just be no longer became worth uh, my time or, uh, the other skaters time. And it eventually just sort of disintegrated. Mm, I see. But the great valuable lesson in there is, you know, a, and I, and I, I think this with young entrepreneurs is the, is where they, they hit a wall where they're so idea driven and, and so like see an opportunity, but don't understand the actual size of the opportunity. Like now as an adult, I look back and laugh at like, man, that, there's no, uh, there was no even like true major opportunity. Like you're selling a niche product to a niche market that's already highly competitive with no innovation or differentiation in the product, uh, just trying to come at it from this like higher level marketing. And at the end of the day, um, really great ambassadors and, and high level marketing, uh, is not going to necessarily sell a product that isn't innovative in the space. 
Mm. So what happened? What happened next? Like, what was your neck? Like, uh, eventually, that you know went through its course. What? What? Like, how did you get it? Is that when you moved into the TV and and the VC stuff? Oh well, no. I mean, I, I would say that was one of probably ten things I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, I that was you know I had launched DC shoes at the same time and had all my signature product and you know, had skate shops and record labels, you know, I, I would say that was sort of like my first, very first company, but I, I was, I was going wild doing company after company and, and all different types of stuff leading up to, to in that twenties era, uh, was nonstop, uh, building businesses of all types uh, pre TV, right? Because even TV came from once DC shoes had blown up, like I had written the idea of, for one of their skate videos to have a skit where a security guard comes with me to, uh, when I skated so that if I got kicked out of a place, they would talk to my security guard, not me. And that exploded sort of into the mainstream, which then caught the attention of, the guys from Jackass, which led to us developing the television show for MTV. Gotcha, because um, man, it's so it's so crazy that um, I I like I I started obviously found a few years ago, and and um, most of our audience and customer bases are in is in the states. So a few years ago, I, I went to the states, and um, I'll never forget. You know, we were watching like just spending some time in hotels. You know, relaxing. And uh, we put on MTV and we'd always watch this show called Ridiculousness. And I just never forget, you yep. know, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. here we are, man. So I'm curious, like, how did all that come about? How does all that work? Well, look, you know, I, I think based off of a couple factors, right? So I had, once I had learned television and sort of how it worked, I started looking at it from more of a, of a, a return on energy, right. As opposed to a return on investment. And, and I had created fantasy factory where I had owned my own integration and now built an entire show around my businesses, which now allowed me to use their platform to promote all of my different brands and whatnot, but still took so much effort, time and energy and I had read an article with Vinnie DeBona and about the global syndication of America's Funniest Home Videos. And I just was like, knew that there was an opportunity to create a much faster paced, more fun, more irreverent point of view for this sort of timeless viral content. And really took an America's Funniest Home Videos, stripped out all the stuff that I didn't think was that funny or too slow, and you're left with just the coolest, funniest packages of videos, and then put them in these neat little curated packages and went out and sold it, and they just bought it right on the spot. And who did you – so you just you just pitched MTV? Yeah. I actually pitched a couple of different people, uh, but it was still just in that MTV tone – that I think really resonated with them and because I had the relationship already with the network, you know, it's a lot easier to, to build ideas with those that under, that understand sort of how you work already, you know, and uh, given sort of the, the use of the platform of driving all the different products and brands that I had 
um, that it makes a lot of sense to to do it with them in the first place. Mm, that's really smart. So besides, you know, ridiculousness, um, you, you have some other things going on as well uh, on TV and also the VC f- side of things and building brands, which I'm really interested about. So can you, do you, where do we want, where do you want to start there, man? Cause you got a lot of stuff going on. Well, kind of, kind of walk you through how it all kind of connects, right? So if my passion and my life's mastery uh, throughout all these years is developing and building businesses or, or ultimately creating um, the television kind of ends up being a part of that passion for building brands. Right. So uh, one of my, you know, big businesses is super jacket productions, right? So it's a production company uh, that I have built that produces all my own television shows. Right. So I produce ridiculousness. So not only am I paid as talent and I'm the host of it, but then I'm, uh, live on the production side and then have a margin that goes along with that production. We own the post company that does all the finishing, all of the music, all of the, uh, all of the, the editing that's, uh, associated with it. Then we produce a, a ton of other shows from the do perfect show and crash leaks on Nickelodeon and, and a bunch of other programs. And most recently, uh, I launched another show with MTV, a couple weeks ago called amazingness that is a done like ridiculousness but it's live talent uh so that's sort of the core of that business unto itself right and and that business is owned by the deer deck machine which is basically the holding company for all of my ventures right so that's kind of where like my television and rob deer deck connect to that and then other businesses uh, in my portfolio, uh, street league skateboarding. I, I built the world's first true professional skateboarding league. Uh, it also owns its own, uh, subscription video on demand network called ETN. Uh, we actually just closed a $10 million, uh, series B round for that. Uh, and again, that's sort of the forefront of competitive skateboarding worldwide, uh, all of the shows and content that we create uh, around that. And that's sort of what's going to be the pathway to the Olympics, right, for what it will take to qualify. And and more or less, you know, seeing a need of where there was no true authentic professional skateboarding uh, league or tour uh, and creating that and building that out and then understanding that it's better to own all your own media is why we built our own channel and distribute our own content on our own channel behind a paywall, right? So mm. that's sort of my two core media businesses because the Deer Deck Machine itself uh, then only focuses in sort of media and consumer products. Uh, another media platform I have is called Ultracast. It's a 360 VR live platform. Uh, for delivering live content, 360 and VR. Still a little bit early uh, of a of a stage for for that type of business, but there's still a real opportunity and immersive experiences, and it's about uh, building out the infrastructure and to operationalize the live content version of that. Um, but that's sort of my core core media. Uh, and then on the consumer product side, just launched a brand new supplement brand, uh, 
uh, with my partners who are also partners in the major sports franchises out here in the Boston Celtics and and uh, San Francisco 49ers and and the, the training staff with them and uh, had developed basically a premium uh, Ferrari of supplements, if you will, uh, that the machine itself built the entire uh, brand out completely to go along with some really great partners and uh, from the financial and operational side and uh, that we just launched a couple weeks ago. Outstanding Foods, a plant-based snack food company, uh, has an innovative unami mushroom that's deep fried and tastes just like bacon. And we call the chip the pig out chip. Um, uh, that's also going to be followed by steak out and chicken out to go with outstanding plant-based products. Um, have a luxury accessory line with an amazing young do or dyer. Uh, entrepreneur like myself that creates premium, high margin, uh, beautiful, super limited edition quality uh, men's accessories, beautiful business as uh, you have a very highly targeted market where you only have to sell a very, convert a very minimal amount of customers to create a very sustainable, highly profitable business. Because even even in our the way we look at business, we look at everything uh, through liquidity, right? So we only invest in ideas that we see a clear path to an exit that is built by entrepreneurs that intend to build to sell. Or uh, what we love the most is really high margin, very limited scaling operational cost, highly targeted customers, right? Because those are the type of businesses that just generate a big dividend, right? So we we build for exit or we build for dividend, right? And it 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 just allows a ton of clarity as you as you approach each individual business, including the person you're you're building it with, you know. And and right now we have you know, probably split down the middle, you know, if we have 18 holding companies right now with four more in development, we're probably, you know, we have a handful of just investments that we did just to learn about different industries that we wanted to build brands in. But for the most part, it's, it's clear path to, to, to an exit or, or 50, 50 partnerships that we split a dividend on. Right. And, and for the most part, you know, it's only exciting for us if we have a huge stake in the business. So uh, outside of, you know, four of our investments, uh, we have between 20 and 50 of every single uh, business that we invest in, right? So that, or we help build. Yes. And that's from, you know, B2B uh, travel technology and wherefore to whiskey business, Black Feather. You know, we even have some proprietary encapsulation technology businesses that we're building uh, a vitamin brand with and building an energy brand with. So that's a lot in one big long statement, uh, <laughs> but it is about the, the passion of, of being a brand builder, uh, very refined into an, a systematic way that uh, takes into account uh, a do or die entrepreneur mentality and then making sure that they have the right operational support, uh, the right brand development, and then uh, financial diligence and discipline to create a great business.
Mm, I see. So, so how, like, I'm curious when, when it comes to all these companies that you invest in, you said, you know, you're usually doing between 20, 20 to 50. So you take a big stake in the business. So you guys would be quite involved when it comes, you, you obviously have a system, like you said, around branding. Can you tell us more about like what you guys do to create compelling brands, especially in the B2C space? Yeah, look, I, I think we, we call them forever brands, right? Where the system is really about creating sort of a, a, a core. And by core, I, I mean like defining who exactly this is for and uh, how is that core aspirational to the more, right? That we end up... Uh, laddering together as core to more. So even when we go in and for example, we're going to build a supplement brand and there's no clear delineation in the product other than the fact that we're going to make the most purest product that money can buy. And then we're going to tell you where we sourced everything. And so when we go and create this brand, well, we call it protein perfected. So when we let out to create a name, we led towards the name Momentous because uh, it, Momentous takes you to this mountaintop and this peak of what it is. So when we say Momentous, high performance perfected, now you're, you're beginning to understand like that this is a very premium and high quality product. Now we call our performance engineers, the people that developed it, their credibility and authenticity in professional athletics now adds that that pieces of the authenticity anchor and then what our core is we say we're for the high lifers right that those that live a high performance life because it truly makes them uh the most happy right and and that sort of idea of now laddering all of those pieces together that tether back to basically a high lifer being the not only who the product is made for but it's also the aspirational side of who the product is made for, all in an effort to begin to put all these layers together uh, for the mainstream guy that works out from time to time would, would rather put his trust in a product that has been engineered for professional athletes, that it is a lifestyle for those that are live a high performance life. And even if they're just working on the weekend, they're trusting that this brand and this group of people put this together for them and they want to get the best stuff that they can possibly get. Let's buy it. Right. Like it's sort of that in concept of, of one from a really soup to nuts sort of idea of how uh, we would go about uh putting what we like to call a soul into a brand, you know, and it's applied in a lot of different fields, depending on what it is, but the system uh, we kind of do over and over, depending on where the value proposition lives inside the actual company's idea or product. You know, mm, That's really smart. I love that, man. So I'm going to ask you an interesting question, um, which I'm kind of curious about. So let's say, you know, one of our listeners that's listening right now to this, uh, they've had a reasonable amount of success. They've got a little bit of money and they want to, I guess, create like a holding company that invests in, you know, so they've got a little bit of cash behind them and they want to start to build out this kind of empire that you're building. 
Like, how do you start to do that? Obviously, you start with one, but how do you manage it all operationally, man, in terms of focus and all that kind of stuff? Well, you know, I, I think that the thing that I did the most is I defined it, right? And, and by defining it in such a way, it, it allows me to scale without needing to scale operationally, meaning that uh, there's already, it's got to be pre-seed, uh, really early stage. I've already systematized sort of outsourced resources from legal teams, financial analysts, to, uh, to outsource CFOs, to branding teams, to all these things. I have all these different outsourced resources that allow me to do multiple different uh, businesses at once, but I don't operate any of them. And I'm really betting on a single individual. And so really on, on most of these, I'm taking a bet on what I call the do or die, right? Which is that, that, that sort of entrepreneur that has the grit, determination and work ethic, but above all, unwavering self-belief. So my curation is really that individual and then their idea uh, to go along with it, right? Because my diligence process, I'll do people's entire tactical financial modeling and brand concepting with them to see how they work. And, and one of the, the key elements to, to these individuals is like, you just got to give them a spark and then they'll come back and be like, what about this, this, this? And they're blowing your mind constantly, right? And that diligence process, a lot of times of, of doing work, uh, for free on on our side, just to understand this individual, really puts a a, a, a stamp in in doing the partnership on both sides. We learn about them of like they're the real deal. They learn about us of like wow, they're way deeper than than we ever thought, and provide so much more value and resources. Then when we do that, we don't operationalize it. Right, we still capitalize it and then help advise, but we want them to build their own team and now go in and and make their company. So it's it's important that you have uh, a, a, not only a a great individual leader, but then you make sure you support their strengths from the or their weaknesses from the very beginning, right? Because a lot of times, really creative, driven, smart CEOs have a blind spot uh, in operations and, and financial stuff, you know, and, and sometimes incredibly sound financial minded individuals just like have a creative blind spot, you know, and, and a couple of times you get lucky and you find a really creative uh, financial mind with operational experience, right? Like that's, that's really the Holy grail because, you got to understand money to create a great business, like first and foremost, and you can create an amazing brand, but unless you have the creativity to constantly optimize it and activate it at the right level, it just becomes incredibly difficult. And then at the center of it all, you can have the best brand with incredible margins and clear target customers customer like low customer acquisition all this beautiful business stuff but if you can't operationalize it and understand how to actually execute and and manage the bodies and get the whole thing in order uh, you're dead right so it's sort of making sure that all three of those pieces 
are done at a very high level before we capitalize it to give it its seed money to get it to grow stage uh, capital and or a lot of times just straight to profitability. Mm, I see. And, you know, that makes that I think that's really smart. So you kind of provide the resources, look at the strengths, look at the weaknesses and and you've got you've got you've got resources there with within within the the deer deck machine and that essentially supports that that individual that you're investing in but otherwise you just let them go and then you just take more of an advisory standpoint yeah and and ultimately the goal is to and some take a lot more heavy lifting in the beginning uh some of these bigger like builds that we do that we own uh, that are 50 50 partners in that takes a little bit more heavy lifting to set them off to to see to go sail their journey you know but you know the joy and the passion is putting all those pieces together in the beginning and coming up with the name and developing the brand and and building out its uh you know go to market strategy and customer acquisition strategy and then watching it come alive and and seeing the birth of a brand, then it's seeing it in market. And, and, you know, there's never one time that it ever gets old to me. And I don't care the moment there's a single transaction, when someone buys another thing that you built for the first time, it's like the most incredible feeling each and every time, you know what I mean? It's, there's nothing like, you know, the day you see the product that you've just been working on for the very first time, right? It's just, it's the most remarkable thing. And so that's where the passion lies and and where the joy is and where the mastery is, is in that just birthing phase. But business and entrepreneurialism is literally only fun when it works. It is only fun when it's successful, it is only fun when you uh, predicted your future and were able to create a sustainable, profitable business. It's literally everything else is a nightmare. And the stories of you got to grind it out and push it out, do all this. There's a million and one ways you could have predicted the chaos that you just leaped into if you would have been built the right way from a foundational perspective. And I know it because I've done so many businesses throughout my life. I've, I know what it's like to dedicate an incredible amount of energy and time to something that barely breaks even or is losing a ton of money. And you're so passionately involved in it now that it's so hard to let it go uh, because you put so much money, time and energy into something, right? And all of which in hindsight could have been uh, easily avoided had you understood that you needed more principle in the core pieces of what it takes to create a successful business. Mm. Yeah, I love it. So, man, we have to work towards wrapping up a couple last questions, two last questions. One, you, you mentioned, and, and I love that you you mentioned this, that that people only enjoy it when you're winning and, and when it comes to life. Tell me about probably but tell me about one time where one of the businesses didn't work because you can't get them all right. And then the second question, last question is where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and, and all of your work and your brands. Yeah, look, I, I, one of the great, 
mistakes I, I used to do when I was young is I would always decide market size and the business opportunity and, and, and even I would create new pathways for growth based off of zero data, you know, and, and uh, one of the, the, the great lessons that I learned is I bought a company once that was a, a skateboarding company that I turned pro for that had gotten bought by one of the snowboard companies. And I was like, I'm going to buy this and turn this thing around and open this up into all this new distribution and create this new vertically integrated like design plan that would then ladder all the way into own and earned and paid media that would then scale these creative ideas and, and take it from just skateboard hard goods, but then it would be apparel and all of these different additional uh, product categories that would create all these much higher margin revenue streams and, and let's go. You know, I paid cash for that thing, millions of dollars, 3.7 to be exact. And I stepped into a hornet's nest of individuals in an industry that had no interest in that vision that I had fully put together. And then furthermore, nor did the distribution outlets, uh, nor could I take how the existing uh, infrastructure worked to even operationalize my grand vision for what it was. And then ultimately, became incredibly personal and painful because it was now uh, all of these people that were in a business that was had no real pathway to growth and uh, no pathway to profitability. And now I basically wanted to turn it into something they didn't want it to become. And I, I literally just eventually leaned the entire thing out and gave it back to the original founders, right? I was like, look, I don't even, it's not even, it's not even how I think in business. It's not how the type of business I want to be in. I bought it emotionally. And rather than even try to ever make up the money or whatever it is, this is your guy's passion. And I would rather give you the IP and the business so that you guys can go and run it the way you want it, barely keep the lights on for the rest of your life, you know, because it's not the way that I think. And I think the grand lesson I received, despite losing millions of dollars, it was the first time that I really got to understand holistically every single aspect of a business. And it seared it in me that, that, forced me to go out and now, no, you build a system by how you will look at every business that you do for the rest of your life so that you can protect yourself and only chase down ideas that fit the stuff that you love to do the most that lead to the most exciting part of business. And that's delivering something that people love that creates a profitable, sustainable a long-term business. Yeah, man. But you can check it out at thedirtmachine.com or robdirtick.com. Awesome, man. Well, look, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, Rob. I really appreciate it. I could talk to you all day, man. I'm sorry we uh, had to wrap. I've got to go do another interview. But, uh, look, thank you so much for your time, mate. 
All right, I appreciate it so much, and good luck to you, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep keep spreading knowledge, man. Thank you so much, brother. Same to you. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.